0: Thanks to Super Beats Heart Chews for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Just two delicious chews a day gives you the blood pressure support you need and the energy you want. Buy two bags and they will throw in a third for free when you go to superbeats.com slash Apple Bits. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. Yay! Ye. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host. Doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. I feel like you all could sing that jingle. It's It's been like burned and imprinted into my mind. I'm sure for those of you that have been listening for a while, it's burned into yours. But welcome everyone. If you are new to the show, this is where we talk about all the biggest stories that are happening around Apple and the greater tech world as a whole and how they all impact each other. And it's always fun because we are just like so into this tech stuff, tech goodness and You know, we used to call it Techtober, but I now, I think you can really call September Techtember. You can call October Techtober and November, sheesh, sometimes just rolls into that. But we've actually got a lot of new developments around the iPhone, MacBook Pros, Apple Watch, new stuff to talk about. Not the same rumors that we kind of just talk about in different ways or hear one small nugget. A lot of big stuff coming out. Also... Although it is really more specific to developers, it is kind of interesting. We're going to talk about Apple's recent settlement that just happened this week. Uh, They basically settled for $100 million with developers regarding some of their App Store policies and what they're doing to, I don't want to say make amends, but address a lot of the issues that a lot of developers that I know have had specifically with the App Store. So we will talk about that as well. But first, we got to get to our orders of business. First of all, be a part of this show Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. All you got to do is record a voice memo. Send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about. I think after this episode, there's going to be plenty, plenty to talk about. And send it right through, and I'll put in the show. Just kind of add some texture and flavor, and I just love hearing from you all. But that is how you do it. Just send in the voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how so many of you have supported this podcast and have allowed me to continue to do what I do. Really, Patreon.com slash Brian Tong starts at $2 per month, $5, which is like a cup of coffee, $10, $25, and the $100 platinum Apple level, you get early access to my content, rewards at every level, and a completely ad-free version of this podcast every week. There's a link on the Patreon page to take advantage of that, and you will never have to hear an ad again in this podcast. It's actually kind of nice. All right, but let's just get to the news this weekend. So many, so many things happening. But first of all, let's talk about iPhone 13. I mean, it's always kind of the sexiest thing. And when there's actually new news, it's definitely worth talking about. So what we're going to do is start off with a leak that happened according to Chinese e-commerce website, IT Home. And what happened is an image from their digital storefront released showing a date of September 17th for pre-orders for every single iPhone 13 model. It included the iPhone 13 mini, the iPhone 13, iPhone 13 Pro, and Pro Max. It even included a mention of the AirPods 3 to be available for pre-order on the 17th, and then they would go on sale on September the 24th. So that, obviously, you sometimes don't know how legit that is, but then our friend, John Prosser, chimed in and said, Hey, The only reason I'm going to address this is because these dates align exactly with the dates that he's heard in. So, you know, a lot of times the community kind of feeds off each other of who's heard what before they really go out and say, yes, this is absolutely it. So what Prosser is now saying is that September the 7th will be when Apple sends out press invites to kind of build that buzz and have all of us put it up on our Twitter and our Instagram say, hey, Apple event is coming soon. And then the Apple event will likely, at least according to uh, what they're saying, will happen on Tuesday, September the 14th. And that would be the third week of September, which had been rumored earlier, where the keynote and announcements would likely take place. Then September 17th, which be that Friday of the same week of the announcement, would be the pre-orders. And then after that, September the 24th would be the day that you could finally purchase the new iPhone lineup. It's also been referred to now as iPhone 13, that whole lineup, that whole family. We've seen some people debate that and say, no, it's the 12S. We see, We just recently saw like a case with, it looked like really fake packaging because the, the S uh, insignia was squished really tight to the 12 and it just, it looked kind of like it was busted, made up. So it looks like we're gonna stick with the name iPhone 13. And one of those reasons why is that recently images of, you know, when you open up your Apple packaging, it has kind of like that, that sticker that has a little, I think it's like a little green arrow and you pull it down the line to open up, whether it's like Apple Watch or uh, even your MacBooks or iPhones. Well, stickers have been revealed. I know this is big stuff, guys, stickers here. We're talking stickers to have the iPhone 13 name on it with Apple's font. Also, if you wanna talk about iPhone 13, probably the biggest scoop or kind of behind the scenes stuff is we know Oh my gosh, do I have to go through all the stats of the iPhone 13 family? Yes, okay, I will. Uh, Potential 120 hertz refresh rate screen, ProMotion on the Pro models, a smaller notch, a faster processor, better cameras, improved ultra-wide camera, uh, image stabilization for the actual camera, much like the Pro Max had in the 12, also potential one terabyte uh, storage size, no uh, Touch ID in display fingerprint, is not expected. And then, you know, we we'll see if we get thrown any other things, maybe some new software features, but overall same design, smaller notch, faster processor, better screen, better camera. Okay, so it's it does feel more like a little bit of an S here. But what John Prosser recently revealed is that Apple is currently testing the new Face ID hardware that slimmer, smaller Face ID, I guess you could call it module or camera display, that could allow users to unlock their iPhones while wearing a mask or foggy glasses, according to Prosser. Now, right now, the iPhone 12 family using Face ID, you can wear certain glasses and it'll unlock. Uh, You can use the Apple Watch, if you own one, to unlock your phone. and Of course, that's not going to work for everyone because I think right now, reports have said roughly one in 10 iPhone users in the entire world own an Apple Watch. And then in the US, thirty-five percent of US owners of an iPhone own an Apple Watch. So that's still not nearly enough to be like, oh, just get an iWa an Apple Watch to unlock your phone. I've never advocated that. I hate it when people say, hey, if you if you don't want like face ID and you miss touch ID, just buy an Apple Watch. Seriously? That that's that's the solution? No, that is not a solution. So what Apple's done is they've kind of created their own Case, It's like a a case that goes around the current iPhone 12s and then think of, you see these current form factor and you see the current Face ID camera system on the iPhone 12 and then on top of that, it's almost like another half an inch on top of that with a smaller sensor stacked on top of it that has this new purported iPhone 13 sensor and the reason why they're doing this is that They need a lot of data to test this, and so they're asking employees who want to volunteer and be part of these large-scale tests to use this new case that has the iPhone 13 Face ID module that is narrower, that removes the camera speaker grill, so it allows it to be smaller and more compact just by that alone. And so what employees are doing is they've been asked, okay, wear face masks and glasses, sometimes wear both, and let's see what the results are so that they can use basically learning from these devices to then input that data and give a positive or negative result and really fine tune it with in-house the other reason why this is important is because um they're not gonna give employees an iphone 13 to carry around to be all you know lazy and just maybe they might leave it at a bar like the iphone 4 debacle which was So crazy when you think about it. I mean, that was one of the biggest tech stories. Ooh, I guess tech leaks, arguably in the past. Oh, jeez, 20 years. I'm going to say it was. I mean, it's kind of incredible. Someone left their prototype iPhone at a bar. (laughs) It can't get any better than that if you want to start a joke. So the iPhone 13 face ID module is been incorporated into this case that employees put on their iPhone 12 for testing. Um, we don't know, though, if this new system or at least the new learnings that they're incorporating into this, if this will be ready for the launch of the iPhone 13. Now, I could, I imagine since they're testing it right now, according to John Prosser, that they are beefing up the system. It's getting smarter, but most likely we would see the ability for the iPhone 13 Face ID sensor to unlock your phone even if you're wearing a mask, even if you're wearing glasses that are, let's say sunglasses or thicker glasses, and maybe even both at the same time, I would expect this gets rolled out in in a software update later in the year. But the new Face ID sensor will be in the 13. It just won't get its full capabilities. Let's say iOS 15.2, we get the new emojis, we get a new face lock so that, you know, still we're still in a pandemic. You know, we're still dealing with that, and people, you know, no one wants to pull their face mask down all the time. And this is the solution for it. So that is being tested as we speak. I did kind of allude to earlier that Touch ID was probably not going to be part of the equation. I mean, I never felt like it was going to be in this year's iPhone 13. Maybe we see in the 14, but it's actually more like a big maybe not because Bloomberg's Mark Gurman is reporting that although we know. That Apple has been testing touch ID technology in the display that would allow us to just put our fingerprint on the screen without any physical button to kind of maintain that pure screen single piece of glass experience and just unlock it by putting a finger on the display. We know Samsung and other Android phones have this and it works like a charm. Well, new reports say that although they've regularly tested it and they're they were trying to see where it fits into this whole picture of the iPhone of the future. And remember, earlier in the year, like beginning of the year, even almost right after the 12 came out, the reports that oh, this is gonna be in the 2021 iPhone. Well, the report's now is that the Touch ID sensor will not only not make the cut for the iPhone 13, but Apple's eventual goal is to embed Face ID under the display rather than Touch ID. So the goal would be, okay, let's put that camera sensor array in the iPhone but still keep it at the top somewhere and eventually get rid of the notch maybe they're able to get it under the display where it becomes like a punch hole you know a punch hole camera like we've seen on android phones for a couple of years now but the thing that's interesting is that instead of touch id apple's goal is to embed face id which would mean and kind of indicate to us this is the first time we've ever heard this idea that touch id as a physical implementation in the display is not part of Apple's product future. Now we know that there's Touch ID on the iPad Air on the power button and on the iPad mini expected to come this year. We obviously have the physical Touch ID home button on the iPhone SE and the entry level iPads, but to incorporate it into the display that is not a priority for Apple and that that's kind of surprising to me so Quite honestly, just incorporate it into the power button moving forward, I think that's an easy solution, but at the same time because that requires you to specifically kind of put your finger in place to unlock it and some of us are used to it, but I nothing was easier and more responsive for me than Touch ID. And anecdotally, it was more secure, although, you know, the numbers and the stats say, "Oh, Face ID is more secure than Touch ID. We have seen historically where uh the offspring of an adult can unlock the phone of their parent. Uh, sisters and brothers have been able to unlock their phones for each other sometimes. Not all can't times, but it does happen. And I, I do feel like that those stories have happened a lot more than hearing that someone was able to unlock an iPhone through the Touch ID home button with a compl- that was not related or even related to the owner of that phone. So on paper, statistically, yeah. It makes sense, but it it is more secure, but in real life, it's not as secure. So don't, don't expect really Touch ID in the display to be a part of Apple's roadmap moving forward. And th- this report from Mark Bloomberg pretty much kind of puts that nail in the coffin that um, Touch ID in display, dead for Apple, but more than well and alive for other platforms. Now, we also have some great Apple Watch Series 7 juice to talk about. We've been talking about the new form factor, how it's going to kind of follow that same design language, the iPhone and the iPad, flat body, flat edges, rounded corners. How many times do I have to say this? Uh, There have been reports that the actual bezels of the display would get thinner to allow for more screen real estate, just slightly more screen real estate. Well, this week was the first time we heard from leakers that although we know the current Apple Watch sizes are 40 millimeters and 44 millimeters. And by the way, that's, uh, from from what I checked, it's actually, they do this by the vertical size. They're not measuring diagonally of the screen. It's the actual vertical height of the Apple Watch is 40 millimeters and 44 millimeters. But a new report and leak says that in 2021, this year, the Apple Watch Series 7 will actually increase in size and be offered in 41 millimeter and 45 millimeter case sizes. This is the first time that we've heard this the new design and now slightly, just slightly larger display size. Well, what we also saw this week is that after we heard that news, new photos of Apple watch bands with the labeling and the printing on them, notating 41 millimeters and 45 millimeters. And reportedly these are kind of sneak shots from the production lines of them ramping up and making these new Apple watch bands. Now, we do expect, and from all indications, know that the current Apple Watch bands will work with these newer, slightly larger 41 and 45 millimeter Apple Watch uh, hardware designs for 2021, but they will be, according to sources and according to a lot of evidence that we've seen specifically this week, it looks like we'll see 41 and 45 be the new sizes for the Apple Watch. And again, all of your watch bands that you've purchased will work with them we've even seen knockoffs now this week based on the cad designs of the apple watch leak onto the streets of china in some of their markets where it's not going to be as elegant as apple's display it's not even going to be the same type of display we saw some actually saw some images where it looked like kind of like a cheapy plasticky display was smashed on top of its body but the actual uh, fake mock-ups are out there we saw fake mock-ups of the airpods 3 earlier this year and now we've seen fake not even mock-ups like working models and of course they don't have all of Apple's secret sauce but at least physically working models based on the leaked cad designs from apple in the streets and in the markets in china because because china baby All right, thanks again to our sponsor, Super Beats Heart Shoes for supporting this podcast. It's hard to make sure you're getting all your nutrients that you need throughout your day if you keep a busy schedule. Look, for me, you might be sitting at a desk most of the day, quite honestly. You have work obligations, you got family, friends, and hobbies, and all these things. ...can get in the way of the essential self-care... ...that makes you the best parent, spouse, friend... ...and employee that you can be. That's why I recently made Super Beats Heart Chews... ...part of my routine. Now Super Beats Heart Chews combine non-GMO beets... ...with a special ingredient. It's grapeseed extract... That is unique to Super Beats Heart Chews. So, grapeseed extract has been the focus of scientific research for years now. And due to its high concentration of antioxidants, which supports cardiovascular health and overall wellness, you can't find this quality of grapeseed extract in just any product. And the grapeseed extract is clinically studied, quality tested, traceable to the source, scientifically shown to support blood flow and healthy blood pressure. Healthy blood flow means more energy the way that nature intended without the jittery caffeine or stimulants. And trust me, I've had some of that strong coffee that just put me on edge for the day. And just two delicious chews a day gives the blood pressure support that you need and the energy that you want. Now, they honestly remind me of tasting kind of like a chewy Jolly Ranchers or Starburst with all the healthy benefits. So they taste good. And I'm someone who even drinks beet juice before I play basketball games uh, at the gym. So I was happy to try out Super Beats Heart Chews. And they help give me that little energy boost without me needing to go straight for the coffee machine all the time, which I honestly, I've historically, Done. So do what I did and support your heart health with delicious Super Beats Heart Shoes. Get your Super Beats Heart Shoes today at Superbeats.com/slash AppleBits. And when you buy two bags, they're gonna throw in the third for free. That's superbeats.com slash AppleBits. All right, let's get back to the show. We got more news. And if you're a MacBook Pro fan and you like me, and I've been saying this for geez, like three months now, have been patiently waiting. I think MacBook Pro users at every level are going to love this latest news. Now, according to leaker Dylan DKT, and we've mentioned him many times, and his track record has been pretty spot on when it comes to his leaks. Uh, He just puts them, he or she puts them out on Twitter. Well, the upcoming 14-inch MacBook Pro is set to be more expensive, at least than the current 13-inch MacBook Pro, at least when you talk about their starting base price point. but. The best thing about this is both the 14 and 16 inch models are expected to offer the same performance according to Dylan DKT. So we know that, yes, they'll both have the M1X chip in there. So that is what's going to give them that same performance boost. Typically, we know like the 16 inch or the higher end model has always had significantly more power than the entry level, smaller display, 13 inch model. Well, that's not going to be the case because these aren't Intel chips anymore. This is Apple Silicon in both machines using the same exact architecture. So I think if you're someone who's always kind of had that power envy, you're going to love the idea of this for the 14-inch MacBook Pro. Also, think about this. I think that Apple might at least throw in maybe a little differentiation from the GPU and graphics performance standpoint. That's not going to hurt people as much, but from a 14-inch to the 16-inch, you know that they've got to do something. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of larger storage options for hard drive space, a higher capacity on the 16-inch, and then I could see them giving at least a higher-end video GPU. Like, instead of 16 cores for the 14-inch, maybe you get 32 GPU GPU cores in the 16-inch. That, that kind of makes sense from what we've heard also from the development side of how they're trying out different versions of the M1X as well. So we also talked about price. Like right now, if you look at the entry-level 13-inch MacBook Pro with the M1 chip, it starts at $1299. But Dylan DKT says it's gonna be more aligned, this new 14-inch is gonna be more aligned with the higher-end 13-inch model, which starts at $1799. And then you even have a one-terabyte configuration at $1999. So we're getting closer really to $2,000 at that 14-inch entry level before you even do any type of additional upgrades on it. Dylan DKT also says that if you're looking at the current 16-inch MacBook Pro, which starts at $2399, it's expected to still start at $2399. And then obviously whatever upgrades you add on, that's gonna bump up the price as well. So for me, I'm just happy that we are getting closer and closer. All all signs are pointing to yes, a September event, September the 14th. And it would make complete sense to do Apple iPhone, Apple Watch, and maybe AirPods 3. Make that kind of like the big three announcements at that keynote. And then we'll we'll talk about the Macs in October. Now if we talk about other Macs, people are going, okay, we've already seen an M1 Mac mini. Are we going to get a higher end one? And according to Mark Erman, bloomberg's mark german he says hey yes um uh, pretty much in the next several months there will be a new mac mini presumably using the same chip in the 14 inch and 16 inch macbook pros which would be an m1x now john prosser she's two three months ago leaked out new renders of what he's heard and seen for what the new mac mini will look like it kind of has more of a glossy plexiglass top it has more ports on the back it also has um kind of that magnetic port that the m1 imac uses where when you pop it in place it kind of clicks in with magnets it's not mag safe so it's still so sturdy that if you tripped over it, it wouldn't disconnect probably but it's using some of that same technology uh, power connector technology from the m1 imac and then putting it into this mac mini and then this makes total sense because a secondary event or a second event not secondary but let's say Apple does an event in October, it makes total sense to say, okay, we're gonna showcase the new M1X chip, talk about the new architecture, talk about the new power, talk about all of its new benefits, and then showcase products that have the M1X chip. And then me wishful thinking, who is sad that basically other than a better screen, his M1 iPad Pro is not being used in any different way than his 2018 iPad Pro, and you could blame that on me, but no. I'm, I mean, I was hoping for some new killer apps, but I haven't seen them yet and that's okay. But I'm just saying, I mean, wouldn't it be cool if they said, hey, the MacBook Pro is now in the same, you know, the all MacBook Pros are now in the same architecture with Apple Silicon and now these apps work as well on the iPad Pro or we've released an iPad Pro version of one of their powerhouse apps. Just- Just something. That would make it complete for me. I'm being maybe a little greedy, but ultimately we will hear all about the new chip, which will be damn exciting. And then we'll see it in the new MacBook Pros, which will be damn exciting. And then the M1X Mac Mini, which will be nice. Some people are saying, oh, what are you talking about? Show some love. It'll be damn exciting too. Okay, fine. M1X Mac Mini, so exciting. In fact, that is the product that I can't wait for in 2020. 21. Yeah. All right, quick note here. Apple releases new firmware for the AirTags. Uh, These are obviously Apple's wireless item trackers. So the refresh firmware has an updated version number of 1.0291 up from 1A287B, which is very good. Here's the thing we don't exactly know what this firmware has done and you can you can't like force this firmware update it's something that has to be done over the air through a connected iPhone so to make sure that happens you can basically put your airtag within range of your phone but you're going to have to wait for the firmware to roll out to the device and we don't know what features the firmware adds or might add but it's there it's basically like hey you can take advantage of it if you want to now let's talk about the App Store here because Apple announced this week that they plan to make several changes to the App Store because they settled a class action lawsuit that was brought against Apple by a group of developers in the United States. So they kind of agreed to specific terms, but Apple will pay $100 million to settle the developer lawsuit as well. Some of the points that they had argued and will be kind of changing now is that Apple will, first of all, maintain the App Store Small Business Program uh, for the next three years, and it's a program that currently exists so that businesses earning less than $1 million annually will continue to pay a reduced 15% commission, while developers earning over $1 million, which is a small percentage, will still pay the standard 30% commission. So that's going to stay in place for three more years. Now, one of the biggest things, although it might sound big, but damn, you know it's big because search is a big deal. Apple, according to this agreement and many other points apple's app store search results will continue to be based on objective objective characteristics like downloads, star ratings, text relevance, and user behavior signals. Apple will maintain the current app store search system for at least three years, and this is why this was sketchy now back in twenty nineteen there's a report that Apple had quote unquote improved its app store search after developers had complained that uh Apple is prioritizing their own in-house apps in search in, in the forefront over apps that may have similarly done the same things from developers. And we know that, come on, there's been times where Apple like swoop in and take features from other apps or implement them into their stuff. And think, think about this. Let's say hmm, that's a good example. Well, the notes app is free, but let's, it, it would be kind of like, Oh, Hey, uh, I've got this note taking app and I've developed mine and mine's really popular, but Apple has their notes, uh, but it's Apple's notes app that always gets pushed in front of me in the rankings. So Apple was obviously favoring their own apps internally on the app store. I guess it's not exactly the same and hopefully this is not a trash analogy, but one way to put it for me, if I had to like kind of put myself in the place of developers in a way, again, it's not exactly the same. It would be like if I am doing Apple videos on my YouTube and YouTube, the company, was doing their own Apple videos on YouTube and in the search results, YouTube's own in-house made Apple videos would show up always above mine on the same platform. It's called an unfair advantage. Unfair, sorry. If for, if for those of you that listen that didn't understand my pronunciation, unfair advantage. So that was one of the things that they also, um, at least in good faith, have agreed to resolve and from what we know, make the um, App Store search results fair across the board. It's going to be interesting to see who actually can test that or not. Um, also, Apple's going to expand the number of price points available to developers for subscriptions and in-app purchases. So for example, some people to claim that, hey, uh, the 99 cent minimum price is kind of annoying and they didn't want to charge price points that ended in 99 cents. So that's been changed. Also, Apple's going to be able to allow developers, this is a big one, to use communications to its customers like email to allow them to use payment methods payment methods that are available outside of the iOS apps. And for example, if someone's paying a developer directly, Apple will, developers will not have to pay Apple a commission on those purchases taking place outside of the app or the app store. Um, so developers will be able to at least contact their customer base and let them know about this. This is interesting because one of the things that I know affected digital comics the most is that initially... Um, digital comics that were purchased through the app and it was a super seamless, easy process. They were giving Apple 30% cut of it. So then Comicsology said, hey, you've got to buy our comics on our website now so that we can still maintain a decently profitable business. And Apple doesn't take 30% of every comic book sale. So they've done, they've created that system. But there's a lot of people and other apps, and we know how many millions of apps there are, that if a user doesn't know that, they're just gonna stick to what's easy and pay through Apple's app store. But this actually, if you know about this, it's gonna be beneficial to the developer to support them outside of the app store so they don't get that cut taken out. So that's really important too. So I love how they're doing some of these tweaked things. Apple's also gonna create an annual transparency report based on app store data, which will give meaningful statistics about the app review process. I've had plenty of peers complain that they don't know why their app got rejected specifically, even if they had talked to Apple where they'd seen similar apps do similar things, but for some reason their app was rejected. So we'll see how this goes. Now, Apple is paying $100 million to developers to settle this lawsuit, and the money is being distributed as part of what they're calling a small developer assistance fund. So what developers can do is they can actually claim anywhere between $250 or as high as $30,000 based on their historic app store participation. This does not um, affect developers who have earned more than $1 million through the U.S. storefront. They do not get access to this small developer assistance fund. So you had to have an account between, what, June 4th, 2015, and April 26th, 2021. So really, 99% of U.S. developers fall under the small developer assistance fund. So this will be a great way to pay back or give back a percentage of profits to these developers. And times are not easy. So I think this is going to make a big difference. Um, There's different proceeds tiers. And like I said, minimum payment could be $250. Highest payment could be $30,000. So... We'll see even how how hard it is for them to get this money. Um, you know they there's a website that they can go to to first file the claim and then go from there. So, you know I think for we've had my buddy Joe Chaplinski on the show and he's not the one that talked to me about um any of this app store stuff. I I didn't want to like make it like oh he's my source and he's telling me all these things. No, but you know he had he had talked about earlier me and him about isn't there a middle ground like thirty percent? Can't they find a different formula for different size developers. And they have now, and at least um, they're sticking to that 15% if you're an under $1 million uh, developer for three years, but also giving some of that money back to developers in as part of the settlement. So I'm glad that those group of developers spoke up against Apple and said, hey, these App Store policies are not fair to us and something needs to be done. And if they didn't speak up and if they didn't fight Apple and someone said, hey, don't bite the hand that feeds you, well, guess what? Sometimes you know you should be fed more than you're being fed. And so this has benefited every app developer. And I, you know what I gotta say about that? That's a good Apple. Yeah. All right, everybody. That is gonna do it for this week's episode. Tons of stuff happening around the iPhone, around the MacBook Pros, around the Apple Watch. I told you, it's getting hotter. It's getting, it's getting more exciting. I mean, we're basically about two weeks away from a freaking Apple event if all these dates hold true. Sheesh, that's kind of wild. Also, big thanks to our platinum Apple supporters at patreon.com slash Tong, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Luce, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you so much for your support. For all of you listening, you can support all of my content and especially it goes to really this podcast to get early access to content benefits at every different level and a completely ad-free version of the show patreon.com slash bryantong all right everybody that is going to do it for this week take care be safe everybody it's the apple bits XL. peace